Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. Does your social media policy violate labor law? I'm Mike Finale, Vice President of Marketing at Assure. And uh, help me unpack this topic. We, my guest today is Brian Schinker. Uh, if you're a regular watcher of the show, you, you know Brian. Uh, he's a, an attorney at the Long Island, New York office of Jackson Lewis. Uh, Brian's practice focuses on representing employers in a wide range of workplace matters, as well as preventative advice and counseling. Brian has extensive experience defending class action and collective action lawsuits under federal and state wage and hour laws. He has successfully defended wage and hour audits conducted by the U.S. and New York State Departments of Labor, and Brian regularly handles cases before courts and administrative agencies involving claims of discrimination, sexual harassment, and retaliation. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, so uh, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't, you don't have to go back that far. You never would have thought was a thing that you had to have a policy around it. But social media has just become such an integrated part of most of our lives, right? That uh, you maybe you didn't think you had to have a policy for uh, when and how to use a cell phone uh, when they first came out uh, in in the workplace. But now mobile phone is kind of synonymous with social media because we really do live our lives in this very integrated way. Sometimes my boss might even ask me to post something on my LinkedIn profile about work. Um, maybe I'm while on LinkedIn, I'm chatting, uh, a, a friend, maybe I'm in Facebook, Instagram, maybe I'm just wasting time and I'm not working. I'm scrolling through, uh, TikToks. I mean, this is a, a complex area uh, with, with lots of areas of gray, I, I would think. Uh, but there's probably more black and white than most employers realize, uh, when it, when it comes to law, w- would you agree with that? Yeah, that's true. And right. You know, social media has really developed at such a quick pace over, you know, really the last decade or so. Uh, But when it comes down to it, a lot of the things we'll discuss today are simply uh, applying other policies that a company should have in the social media context. Now, there obviously are challenges to that and certain intricacies we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, a lot of this stuff, you know, you know, a comprehensive social media policy will, you know, for instance, include your, you know, anti-harassment on, you know, on social media. Uh, so some of the things really just transfer right over. But right, of course, there there are other, you know, issues that can be uh, less intuitive for companies. So so let's just start with the uh, the basics. It, it this might sound self-evident, but I think it's. It sounds self-evident in the name, but very few people, I think, as a percentage of especially small business owners, have it in place. You know, what is an employer social media policy? What What's the goal of it? What is What are you trying to accomplish it? What's the purpose of it? Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head, right? You know, before we get to what 
the policy uh, should include, right? What's the goal? What are, what are the issues yeah. here? Um, you know, a lot of the risks with respect to, you know, social media uh, include things like, you know, employees misrepresenting the company's, uh, you know, view on certain topics or, you know, inappropriate non-business use of social media, uh, potential disclosure of the company's you know, confidential information, as I mentioned earlier, harassment. Uh, and so in crafting a social, a good social media policy, uh, you know, an employer should, you know, consider, you know, it, a comprehensive thing, right? They're going to look at, you know, what are the other rules that we have for the workplace and, you know, how do those apply here? Um, and so, right, there, there are, those, those are some of the main considerations uh, that, that we have. But, uh, you know, in terms of specifics, in terms of the policy, I yeah. think, you know, the first thing is, yeah, as you said, you know, social media is constantly changing, whether, you know, it was, you know, Facebook, you know, going back several years. Now you've got, right, TikTok, you know, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all sorts of uh, uh, different types of social media. So, you know, in defining social media policy, you should really define it very broadly, right, because, you know, we don't want our definition definition of social media to become you know outdated a month after going into the handbook. Um, so yeah, it's, it's right. generally going to include you know things that are done on online platforms, you know whether social or professional, you know posting commentary or opinions or sharing you know pictures, audio, video uh, online. Um, you know, in, in all types of online communities. So that's what we're really talking about, you know, in terms of what is. So we probably media. won't go too much deeper on, on, you know, the what it is, because we're going to get to some of the don'ts and we're going to talk best practices. But I think we first probably have to understand what the law actually says. So uh, the, the, the law is the National Labor Relations Act. And, and certainly that's broader. That's not a social media law per se, but social media is included in this. Can, can you maybe start casting a wide net, just explain what the NLRA, National Labor Relations Act is, and how is it that that governs social media in the workplace? Right, so, you know, great, yeah, I, I think that's where we should start exactly. So the NLRA the, uh, is, you know, it goes back, I think it was enacted in 1935, and many employers have this misconception that it only applies to unionized companies. Uh, but there are uh, certain sections of it, particularly here, we're dealing with Section 7, uh, that deal with employees' uh, right to you know, act and discuss terms and conditions uh, with, their, uh, with their coworkers. So that's what we're you know, mainly concerned with here. And right, you know, in terms of social media policies, um, you know, again, you know, it's it's how the policy and there are lots of different pol you know policies we can go through uh, affect employees' ability to you know discuss their terms, whether it's compensation or benefits or scheduling. Uh, you know, and one thing to always keep in mind with the. NLRB, which is the National Labor Relations Board that enforces the act, is that it it is certainly uh, has political leanings, right? Because the board and the general counsel are appointed by the president 
Uh, so we tend okay. to see, uh, you know, shifts in enforcement and positions on, uh, you know, lawfulness of various things, depending on the makeup of the board. So certainly right now under the, the Biden administration, we can expect that uh, the NLRB might take closer looks at, uh, you know, social media policies and whether they, you know, in, impinge on, you know, concert, protected concerted activity. That, that's the term today, protected concerted activity, fancy way of saying more than multiple employees coming together to discuss, you know, conditions of employment. Um, so, Got it. So, 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 so the, the, the origins of the law really are more about protection of workers' rights when it comes to unionizing and organizing, right? Organizing to a single voice. But where it spans into social media, it's, it's more specific than the use of social media and uh, in, in ties back more to the types of speech that is protected as underpinned by really the core meeting, the, 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 the main gist of the NLRRA. Is that, am I saying that right? Right, no, exactly. And so what we're really looking at when, you know, a company implements a social media policy is we keep an eye on, right, whether it's what it's restricting, right? And how much employee, you know, interaction or conduct it's restricting and you know what the purpose is so you know even a policy social media policy that's you know neutral on its face uh the nlr the nlrb will look at the potential impact on employees rights and whether the company has a you know legitimate uh justification for having that policy um so you know when we look at the these decisions from the nlrb the context of the restrictions matters significantly, right? So, uh, you know, for example, you know, uh, in the healthcare or pharmaceutical industry, there is a policy, uh, a company policy, that uh, it was necessary to ensure uh, that rather they could limit social media activity to matters unrelated to uh, the company if necessary to ensure compliance with securities and other, uh, and other laws. And so this policy restricted employees from disclosing confidential information of the company, including you know, personal health information of customers. And right, that was found to be lawful because you know, while an employee might construe that policy to restrict them from communicating about certain terms of employment that the employer might deem confidential, clearly the intent of the policy was to restrict those proprietary type of things and, you know, patient information. And it wasn't designed to prevent discussion of, uh, of workplace, uh, you know, conditions. Um, yeah. You so, know, so, so maybe what we often think. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so what prevents a company and this is maybe where you're going. So forgive me if I cut you off, you know, maybe I'm an employer. I'm like, you know what? These, these lines are too blurry for my taste and uh, you shouldn't be on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok anyway, because I'm paying you to work, um, you know, get, get back to it. And our policy is no use of social media in the workforce. It, because I'm not 
explicitly saying the types of things you can't do. Can I, am I, am I in safe ground just setting that policy? No social media in the workplace? Yeah. So, you know, potentially, right. We would have to look at, you know, what that implicates, you know, does that mean that, you know, an employee can't take, you know, use their phone to take a picture of, of a work condition. Now that's probably mm -hmm. not social media. So you would be fine. Um, but, yeah. you know, saying, you know, certainly, you know, something about using social media while working is something where a company is going to be on much better ground than, you know, some broad, uh, you know, requirement, you know, that goes, you know, beyond the workplace. Um, Got you it. know, so, you know, they, you know, there are all sorts of things that companies might do that, that the NLRB could be, you know, find unlawful, like, for instance, you know, disclaimer requirements, right? You know, some companies are very concerned that employee statements on social media uh, might be construed as a position of the company, right? You know, and that's a, that's a big issue for companies, right? You don't want an employee going out there being associated with the company and having a, a negative impact on, you know, the company's brand. Uh, right. So there's actually an NLRB, you know, advice memo on that, uh, that determined, you know, that basically companies, you know, have a legitimate interest in, you know, having, you know, employees identify themselves on social media as employees of the employer. And that, you know, they're when, you know, they're making a post that could be, you know, considered on the employer's behalf that they make sure it's, you know, expressed on their personal, you know, opinion. Um, and can so, we, can you, we, you know, but again, these are gray areas, right? Yeah, can we feel the boundaries of that one out? So if I'm on LinkedIn, more of a business platform, it is, I'm clearly signifying who my employer is and I make a, a post or I comment on someone else's post that's basically, it's pretty clear I'm talking crap on my employer, my boss, my industry or something. Because the platform itself lends itself to whom I'm employed for, is there an implied affiliation that you're speaking on behalf of the brand? Right. So it depends. You no, know, not necessarily. I mean, there were other ones, you know, there have been other board decisions that have said, you know, a, a requirement that, you know, employees identify themselves by name when making those comments, you know, went too far, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that, you know, so there, there are some, you know, again, it's also, you know, fact specific and policy specific, but for instance, you know, just generally, you know, you know, provisions that you can't go out there and disparage your employer uh, may are typically going to be, you know, invalid, right? Um, so, you know, because those could be, you know, those really implicate discussions about employment terms. So if, you know, you might go on LinkedIn and, you know, you're associated with a company and you start a conversation about, you know, you know, my the scheduling at this company is really awful. The managers, you know, really, you know, make it burdensome for employees. And then maybe another one of your coworkers joins in that discussion and comments on it. You know, now you have concerted activity where you're potentially talking about terms and conditions. Um, so when we look at policies, right, you know, uh, a policy that, you know, prevents employ employees from disparaging the company online, 
that's not going to pass muster because it prevents that type of uh, thing. Got it. But, you know, there are narrower ways to address that, right? You could have a provision that prevents, uh, you know, employees, you know, potentially from disparaging customers or, or such. Um, you know, and, and again, it, it all depends on the specifics of the policy. But but yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's very interesting how the board will look at these things. So. So the essence of the law, and it just coincidentally cascades into social media as a form of speech. Am I thinking about that the right way? Sure. Yes. So it just be, it just coincidentally cascades into uh, uh, social media as a platform as a for for this protected speech. The policies must really center around not preventing employees from talking about legitimate business employment concerns, whether it's safety, discrimination. Uh, you know, work environment, etc. Et that so any policy you make, any social media policy, has to be focused on that. Am I think is that is that right? Sorry. So yeah. So you know, th there are other policies, for instance, like you know, confidential policies, right? So. Clearly, you know, an employer has a, a legitimate interest in preserving their, you know, confidential information. Um, but, you know, there are, you know, various uh, NLRA decisions where they found that employees have the presumptive rights to disclose terms and conditions of employment. Uh, so really, you know, a lot of these policies should, you know, involve examples, right? I, I think social media policies are really good when they include examples uh, of what we're saying to really clarify that, you know, the, this policy about not, you know, disclosing the company's confidential information, right? Let's give an example because it's not about, hey, you can't disclose your comp, you know, your compensation, right? We're not saying that's confidential. Um, but it might be, you know, more trade secret information. Right. Uh, right. You know, that, you know, so, um, you know, and that, look, there, there are also other, you know, company policies that uh, that we've seen that have been, been invalidated, such as, you know, because companies go go about this. You know, you, th you think of creative ways to restrict potential negative impacts. So, you know, we've seen company policies that require. Uh, that you're always honest and accurate when posting information on social media, uh, which, you know, doesn't sound so bad, but the NLRB has concluded that employees have the right to make inaccurate statements, you know, as long as they're not, you know, maliciously, you know, defaming. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, even those types of accuracy requirements, you know, can, can run afoul of the law. Um, yeah, there there may not be such a thing as alternate facts, but there is alternate opinions on facts, right? Exactly, exactly. And so those are the types of things that you can see, right? If if I'm an employee and I'm subject to a policy like that, it's going to going to chill my my speech because now I'm concerned about you know is everything I'm putting online completely accurate? Am I going to be disciplined for putting something out there that's inaccurate? And that has a chilling effect, which, you know, the NLRB would find, you know, un unlawful. 
Um, so, so, so what can, so what can an employer do? I mean, cause you don't want, I mean, you, you can say at the end of the day, uh, if you are creating an, if you're hiring the type of people and you're creating an type of an environment where people feel the need to go to social media to talk crap about your, your business, then you probably got a bigger problems, right? You got a, you got a culture problem. You got a talent problem. You got a business problem. You got a, a management problem, a leadership problem. You got a bunch of other stuff that's probably way more important to focus on than your social media policy. But it's also reasonable for a business, maybe a business who's doing everything largely right. And you can have, you know, one employee that sees the world through a very distorted lens blow you up pretty bad. And so, so where's the line around maybe, maybe defamation is too strong, but where's the line around allowing and protecting their, their free speech as guided by the NLRA um, at the same time, Hey, you can't just, you can't, what you just said might be your opinion, but it's not true. And it's hurting my ability to attract new employees uh, and new customers. Yeah. So exactly. So really where that line is drawn is at, you know, personal gripes, right? So the NLRB will not consider, you know, social media to be that, you know, concerted activity when it's merely reflecting the employees, you know, personal issues and doesn't involve, you know, a broad, you know, workplace issue. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, you know, in a, a Facebook post that, uh, you know, when an employee complains, you know, that, um, you know, there's not enough funding or not enough vehicles or, you know, you know, you know, something to, you know, perform their job. But, you know, if there's no evidence that, you know, this was part of a broader discussion or that, you know, employees were bringing these issues to management, you know, that won't be, uh, you know, you could discipline an employee for that. Uh, you know, similarly, okay. you know, um, a Facebook post about, you know, a bad interaction with a manager, right? That, you know, the, the, the real question on a lot of these posts, online posts, is whether other coworkers start, you know, engage in the discussion towards these workplace conditions and that it's something that would be brought to management, right? Because it's the same thing. If employees were discussing this in person, it could be protected. Uh, but for instance, if an employee just you know posts that themselves on Facebook and there's no other interaction with coworkers, or you know the coworkers aren't commenting, "Hey, I've had experiences like this too," but just saying, "Hey, I feel for you," you know that that stinks. You know, then those those things, you know, when it's just you know providing emotional support, for instance, you know, to someone who has this personal issue with the manager. That's not protected uh, activity, and, and you know an employee could be disciplined or terminated. Um, you know, likewise, you know an employee who uh, you know posts something real derogatory towards customers, right? Uh, there was you know one NLRB matter uh, involving an employee who said uh, something along the lines uh, of that, you know. Uh, he wished, you know, the employer's customers would choke in that, uh, you know, and use some derogatory term uh, towards them. And, you know, the NLRB found, you know, well, you know, regardless of whether other employees would engage in this discussion, that it had nothing to do with the terms and conditions of employment. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. When, when employees, you know, make those types of comments, you um, 
you know, if it's not towards the terms and conditions of employment, uh, you know, then the employer can do something about it. Uh, but, you know, when, you know, there's there's sometimes a gray area, right, where, um, you know, the NLRB has found that, you know, simply, you know, an employee who posted something online uh, criticizing the uh, the employer's uh, tax uh, withholding calculations and one employee commented on it, um, you know, kind of uh, agreeing with it, that that then became protected activity. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the concept is we want to be careful, you know, as an employer, if you're going to start uh, it, when you're going to govern, you know, online conduct, um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll discuss other issues. But as it relates to the NLRA, you know, really what we're looking at is, you know, number one, does this relate, you know, does the comment relate to terms and conditions of employment? And two, is this a group? Is it, you know, just a single employee, may, you know, saying an issue? Because that's not concerted activity. Uh, it, it only becomes concerted activity when there's more than one individual, you know, engaging in this. So then, look, you know, there might be multiple employees, you know, trashing a manager on, uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook or, or what have you. Uh, you know, even, you know, could even be, you know, an email chain among employees where they're just saying real horrible things about this person. Uh, but if it relates to the work and not just, you know, personal issues, right, then it's potentially, you know, protected. And while it might absolutely offend the employer that this is being stated and possibly in a public manner, um, it's not necessarily actionable by the employer. Let me ask this. So, uh, like my kid's school, they have social media anti-bullying policies, right? So that would seem to me an area that it's not talking about coworkers and them personally, not the work that they perform. It's not even about work at all. You're not saying good or bad things about your employer. They just happen to be coworkers. Um, but the online bullying can be a very serious thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. What what can or should an employer do there? And is it, I suspect not, but is that governed by the NLRB then? So to start with your last question, potentially it could be it is covered by the NLRB. But when it comes to harassment and you know discrimination, I think what... What employers should really take away is that uh, just because the harassing conduct is occurring online doesn't make it any different than harassing conduct that occurs in the workplace. So, you know, an employer's social media policy should absolutely remind employees that their, you know, EEO policies and, you know, anti-sexual you know, harassment policies apply equally to their social media conduct as they do to, you know, in person, um, you know, and so I think, you know, the company could have a policy that, you know, prohibits, you know, threatening or obscene social media posts and, you know, can provide examples. Um, but yeah, I think invoking those other those policies and with specific provisions um, so that it's not overly vague you know, that that should get the company around, you know, any, you know, concerted activity issue under the NLRA. Um, okay. You know, so for instance, you know, 
you could have a very simple statement that your social media activity is covered by all the company's policies, including, you know, the company's equal opportunity, equal employment opportunity, non-discrimination, yeah. anti-harassment policies, uh, and that, you know, you should not post any content on social media that violates, you know, these discrimination and harassment policies. Um, and that, that should generally, you know, be okay. So you do as an employer have the real opportunity to, to set out these, you know, th these types of policies that are not about protected speech around, you know, workplace safety, environment, uh, traditional NL, NLRA kind of stuff. But you can, just as you could have a, a no bullying policy that has nothing to do with social media, social media could reasonably be included in your anti-bullying policy, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, same so, thing. Yep. Go ahead. And, and so same thing about, uh, um, maybe I'm thinking, I don't know how to put it, but maybe you're like relationships in the workplace, right? It's like, okay, um, young man, uh, there's clear policies around sexual harassment that are maybe, maybe clear about what is and is not out of bounds in the office per se. But if I'm in, if I'm connecting and I'm, and I'm making advances on this other person because I'm interested in them and via social media, I mean, what's inbounds and what's out of bounds there? Right. Exactly. And so there, you know, some companies even employ, you know, a provision that prohibits managers from quote unquote friending uh, subordinates on, you know, non professional social media sites. Right. As you know, that could be, cons you know, construed on, you know, as intruding on the employee's privacy and, you know, potentially lead to those types of, uh, you know, uh, social or, you know, even going beyond social issues between, you know, a supervisor and a subordinate. Um, you know, so say, say more yeah, on that, Brian. Know. Do you have any use cases? Because I, I could totally see that it's like I just hired a new person on my team. You know, I'm a. 54 year old man and I just hired this 25 year old young woman in, in a, and I want to be able to uh, uh, do effective marketing. So I, I friend request her on LinkedIn. That feels appropriate. Feels kind of creepy if I did that in, in the, uh, on Instagram or, or, or Facebook. Um, do, right. Is it your yeah. recommendations that employers set policies to prevent those or is it, I almost it almost feels like you couldn't create enough policy to cover all of the one-off nuanced edge cases that maybe it's more principles than it is policies. I don't know. What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Right. I agree. I agree. It's tough to say, right? Because, you know, if a manager is going to be, you know, connected with someone on LinkedIn, then, you know, why not on Facebook? But you know, you can think it, it might not just be, you know, the romantic related, you know, issues, but, you know, you have a manager that becomes friends with someone on Facebook. Now the manager and, you know, really that means the company has a significant amount of personal information at its fingertips about this employee, right. whether it, you know, discloses yeah. their sexual orientation or, uh, right. you know, a potential disability or, you know, a variety of things that could be considered protected categories. And, you know, 
So a company might not want that, right? You know, even if there's not not an intention to take action or do anything based on those, it yeah, I mean, give, opens give, the give, door for the employee to claim, right? Yeah, I mean, give the, give the old guy the benefit of the doubt. He, he was just trying to be friendly and be, quote unquote, friends. So send you a friend request. But there's this, uh, I would assume that there's this, uh, un- it could be, not all cases, it could be an uncomfortable uh, feeling of responsibility to accept the friend request. Like, oh my gosh, what if I say no and decline? What are they going to think of me? Will there be retaliation? So, but if I accept now they're seeing all my personal life of whatever that might mean uh, in all kinds, you know, you know, everybody's got their yeah. personal lives, but I mean, all kinds right. of protected class kind of, kind of information that could be revealed. Yeah. And I think that's why when it comes to, you know, supervisors and subordinates, you know, drawing the line at, you know, professional, relate, you know, social media, you know, professional uh, groups, that's fine. But it's likely uh, a good idea for companies to consider, you know, cutting that off at, for the non-professional sites, because, you know, like you and I could sit here for hours thinking of all the possibilities yeah, uh, right. that could come up, right, you know, from from that type of knowledge or what a supervisor you know, might comment on, you know, some, you know, photograph, things like that, which, you know, again, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, managers and employees in, in general, too, they understand what's appropriate in the workplace, you know, and they, there's this just common belief that kind of, that what we do in social media and online is just something completely different. But, it does relate to the workplace and, you know, inappropriate interactions online are just as inappropriate uh, and, you know, uh, actionable as, you know, inappropriate actions, you know, taken, you know, in person. So let's, so let's say more about that. So if I'm, uh, I'm a school teacher, I mean, it seems rather obvious and maybe I could have social media policies that explicit me posting, you know, some, uh, Picture, explicit pictures of myself or access to websites where you could see explicit pictures. Uh, but what's different about that in social media versus that school teacher, you know, maybe works at a, a, a an adult establishment on the weekends and, and performs those private, <laughs> you know, I mean, but where, where, where is the line of where is it? What is an employer's, right to say that's not an okay thing for our employees to do, even if they're not in the workplace. Uh, and then how does that tie back to social media? Right. So no, because th- I think really- this is where people get in trouble, right? It's like, yeah. okay, good performer in the day job. I had no idea you were, you were a snake handler and that creeps me out and I don't want you around my, I mean, it, right. that aren't work behaviors, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the question will often come down to, right, is there a legitimate purpose? Is there a legitimate reason, you know, for, you know, the the company's, you know, position on, on this, right? That, um, you know, so, you know, again, if this person has some personal social media that's unrelated to the company, they're not posting about, you know, that these, you know, photos or whatever that is, you know, is, you know, them on behalf of the company, 
then, you know, that's probably going beyond the bounds of what, you know, the company should be uh, regulating on its social media. You know, I think, you know, if, if we kind of think of social media regulation by employers as just an extension of their other policies, right, then we're thinking, all right, is this impact? Are they doing this on work time? Right. Because, we, you know, yeah. I'm sure there's a policy in the handbook saying you can't have other employment that interferes with, you know, your current work. You know, you know, so is it doing that? Probably not. Um, you know, and so, you know, are you divulging company, co you know, confidential information? No, no, no. You know, so we want to look at you know, what the, uh, these other, you know, company policies are, right. Are they doing, you know, they're not doing it on work time. Uh, they're not disclosing company information. Um, they're distancing themselves from the company. They're not saying that anything they're doing is on behalf of the company or that, you know, the, the company has authorized them to, you know, sell these services. Um, you know, again, are they disparaging the company? And if they're disparaging, is it, you know, concerted activity? Um, you know, so again, I think that's when it goes into balancing, you know, the employees, you know, privacy rights with, you know, what's legitimately, you know, a business uh, related issue. I want to get into some examples of uh, areas where you've seen employers get in trouble, because I, I feel like this conversation is like, intellectually interesting, but there's so much gray that I, I want this to be helpful for folks. Um, be, before we get to the specific examples, I, I ha my sense is that if I'm a small business owner um, and you say that uh, I'm not paying my people correctly and I'm going to be in trouble with the Department of Labor, I have a sense for what that might look like. If I'm employing uh, people uh, with uh, without legal documentation and ice knocks on the door, I have a feeling of what that looks like. Um, what is what does it look like to be in trouble with the NLRB? I don't think most employers have a sense for you know what is what does enforcement look like? What 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 kind of teeth yeah. do they really have? Yeah, so enforcement can be pretty broad at the NLRB. So, you know, in the first instance, right, if, you know, typically an issue with the social media policy is going to come up in the context of the company having terminated an employee for violating some policy, right? So then the NLRB is looking at two things, right? One, whether that policy is lawful, uh, Meaning, right, whether it, you know, restrict, you know, has this, you know, restriction on concerted activity and whether, you know, that outweighs the, the company's, you know, inter business interests. Uh, and two, right, whether it was proper to terminate the person. So, you know, the, the first part, just the, uh, you know, the policy. All right. So your policy is unlawful. You need to change that. Uh, you know, of course, there can be some monetary component, uh, which the NLRB has, you know, broad discretion of, uh, but, you know, really it, where, where they'll get you is on the termination, right? They have the ability to uh, require an employer to reinstate an employee who's been terminated, uh, pay back wages, um, you know, and, and all sorts of other, you know, connected uh, damages that the, uh, the employee suffers. Uh, so that's where, you know, the danger gets here that, you know, an employee is terminated or, or even disciplined. It doesn't require a termination, uh, yeah. but discipline, discipline for, 
uh, violation of a social media policy that, you know, really, you know, involves, you know, concerted activity. Um, you know, so, you know, just, you know, for an example, right. Um, you know, there was uh, an NLRB case where employees posted criticisms of a manager on Facebook for not letting them leave early, right? It doesn't even matter whether they were entitled to leave early or not. But the fact that multiple employees came together and were, you know, engaging in a Facebook discussion and the company saw that this was happening and they decided to terminate those employees and the NLRB said it was unlawful to do that. So now the company is either going to be paying wages, uh, back wages to those people, or having to rehire them. Um, yeah. So, so are, know, there, are, are there are there statutory uh, 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 is, there, is there statutory accountability like X dollar fines or you know explicit uh, consequences, or is this kind of up to what the NLRB says? I mean, g- give a sense for how big. Yeah. How big of fines or repayments and stuff are we talking about? It's not necessarily, you know, statutory fine like a lot of the other laws. The NLRB really has wide discretion and the current Mm. NLRB uh, general counsel has been, you know, issuing some, uh, you know, guidance and memos that kind of, you know, expand on the NLRB's, you know, ability to, you know, provide, you know, various, uh, um, you know, damages, uh, imposed damages to redress, it, you know, uh, unlawful conduct. So, yeah, I mean, look, you know, back wages can be, you know, tens of thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, depending on the length of time, so, you know, it's been since someone was terminated and, you know, potential, you know, interest. Um, and, you know, look, they, you know, so it, it, it can range from very small to, to quite large. Um, you know, oftentimes when there's an NLRB finding against an employer, there's a posting requirement, uh, you know, so there's notice uh, that will, you know, will be required to, you know, be provided to, to workers. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously, you know, a potential issue for employers. Um, yeah. Not to mention just the expense of, you know, an NLRB proceeding, right? So you're going to have to deal with the NLRB coming in, uh, instituting a, a proceeding which is at the NLRB. It's not in court per se. Uh, there might be appeal rights, but it's uh, an NLRB proceeding. And I guess what I can say about that is most employers would much rather be in court than at the NLRB. Uh, there's Why limited that? discovery. There, they, well, there's limited discovery. There are limited procedures. It pushes uh, companies towards, you know, hearings, essentially a trial, uh, much quicker than court. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, it, it can be difficult for, for employers. It's, it's not necessarily the preferred, uh, forum, you know, for, for companies. Um, and, and look, especially because, because the, the board is so politically driven, um, especially as the board is constituted now with a majority, you know, Democrats, you know, enforcement will ramp up uh, and be expanded uh, when this is the case. Um, you know, so that that's what we tend to see. So uh, it, it does have all the legal teeth of if you get uh, into a, a wage and hour hearing 
by your state's Department of Labor. Uh, you might not be in a court, but this has the same teeth as that, right? You don't get to say, oh, yeah. that's not a law. That's just the just the, that's just the board and they're going to it's a political uh, organization. Uh, screw them. I'm not going to show up. I mean, <laughs> all the same consequences of whether you show up, whether you participate um, uh, in whatever decisions they make. Totally. <laughs> yeah. um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a legitimate you know, government uh, agency. Uh, they can enforce, you know, their their decisions. Uh, it is, you know, I'm sure any of our uh, listeners who, you know, have union uh, workforces are quite familiar with uh, the NLRB uh, yeah. and probably may know from experience, uh, you know, that that they're to be taken seriously uh, for for employers in the private in, you know, in, in private areas where, you know, there is no union. Right. There, there may be this perception that you know, the NLRB doesn't you know, apply to me if they come knocking. It's, you know, no big deal because I don't have a union. But that's not the case. And, and really, this Section 7 protected concerted activity is really, you know, is really the NLRB's teeth to get into private employers. Right. Where when you have workers, you know, discussing, you know, terms and conditions of employment, whether it's in person or on social media, you know, there needs to be special care taken uh, if you're considering discipline for something related to that, because, um, you know, that that is a protected right, even for employees of private employers uh, that are non-union, that they can discuss. And look, sometimes it's, you know, in disparaging ways, it's not always, you know, going to look so nice. And that's all often where the issues you know, come up from where, you know, the the employees are saying some real, you know, negative things online, right, um, where they might be talking about, you know, poor work environment, calling out managers. But if there are, you know, multiple employees engaging in this and it's something that they might or, you know, have complained to management about um, in the past, then, you know, it's not just their own personal gripe. It becomes something about, you know, conditions of employment and it's concerted activity and potentially unlawful if, if you're going to take action against the employee because of that. Brian, I, I'm assuming where this shows up most of the time, uh, the, the, the uh, enforcement aspect, that is, it's not like there are uh, an LRB police knocking on doors. Um, but this is an employee, probably most commonly the result of some type of retaliation. Employee puts something online, uh, employer takes some action, termination, suspension, some disciplinary thing, um, or just even if what they, even if they act, reacted re reasonably, um, uh, then employee says, nope, you, I have the right. You don't get to tell me what to do. This is protected. And they go get a lawyer, and then the person on the other side of the aisle from you, their, their attorney, they're the ones who know how to navigate the what is required by NLRA and engage the NLRB to take action. That's probably the path this takes, right? Exactly. So one of the things that, that we see is, you know, the 
the employee might go to the, you know, the attorney first and, you know, maybe, maybe the factual scenario provides, you know, for a sexual harassment claim, but that it also implicates the NLRA that we see, you know, duly filed uh, matters, you know, from, you know, where, you know, there might be a state or federal claim for discrimination and simultaneously uh, that employee, you know, will file a charge at the NLRB under uh, for an unfair labor practice uh, related to, you know, uh, Section 7, you know, concerted activity. So, you know, while their attorney won't represent them at the board, right, at the labor board, it's the, you know, the NLRB has their own counsel that will, you know, handle matters on, on behalf of uh, the, these employees. Uh, but yeah, it's not uncommon to see that, especially when it comes to retaliation. And sometimes that can even be right. We, we see, you know, wage and hour cases, right, where there's, you know, let's say several, you know, four or five employees that file a uh, wage and hour complaint, you know, for unpaid overtime. And, you know, they also claim that a manager, you know, terminated one or two of them because, they, you know, they got together and complained about, uh, you know, tips being, you know, stolen from them or uh, or not being paid that overtime. And so you might also have a, you know, wage and hour retaliation claim. But if there were multiple people coming together about these issues, you also have, you know, a potential, you know, NLRB charge uh, for the employer. And they will, you know, the NLRB will go after it just as zealously as the private attorney will go after the wage and hour component. Uh, and sure. then that can be real burdensome when, when a company has to deal with, you know, multiple claims on, in two different forums, um, especially since, you know, as I said, right, the NLRB matter is probably going to move faster than something uh, in court. So I want to go down a different rabbit hole for just a second, just because it relates to social media. I don't think this is necessarily, it maybe it is. I don't think it's necessarily NLRA oriented. <clears throat> um, what what can employers require or are not allowed to require? So we, we talked a lot about prohibiting. As an employer, you can't prohibit this. You can't prohibit that. You've given lots of examples I think are helpful. Um but let's say I want my my employees to, to be an extension of my sales and marketing function. And if I'm having a, an open house or I'm promoting a, a, a web show like this, may, can I require my employees to promote this and post this on their LinkedIn, their Facebook, their, their et cetera? Uh, maybe, you know, I can, maybe, can I do it on LinkedIn because it's business platform versus I can't on a, on a more personal, where, where are the lines there? Right. So no, that, that's a great point. And yeah, the law in this, that area is developing. I think, you know, generally it's, it's allowable to, I think, you know, uh, ask employees to do that. You know, again, if it's a personal account, so even if it's their LinkedIn account, LinkedIn account, and that's professional, right. That that's a professional personal account. Uh, so, you know, it, it might be something, you know, that you request employees do. But uh, again, we, we could run into issues of requiring them. Uh, and this also gets into another tangent, which is quite interesting, which is, you know, so it's absolutely fine to, you know, have a company account. Right. So you could 
create, you know, whatever it might be, a company account on, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn and, you know, your marketing employee is running, you know, the Facebook account for, uh, for your company. And so, right, that's the company's account. You can require them to post on that. That's part of their job. But mm -hmm. an issue that many employers overlook is ownership of that account, right? So we, we ask our marketing director, create us a you know, LinkedIn and Facebook account for, for the company. All right, that, that director has the login and password information, they've created it, and all is good while they're working. When, when they you know, quit or when they're fired, what if they take that, that login, right? Now they're saying, well, I created it. Right. It was, you know, my, my you know, it, it's my work. But the company is saying, well, you have our company contacts, right? We're, we're losing the account. And the people are looking to us at, and you, you're connected with all these people. We need to know who they are. Um, you know, that may very well end on the employer's side, but I, I think, you know, the law is really developing and there's, there's no real clear answer on that. But what employers can do is say, you know, if you're using the company account for marketing, it, that is owned by the employer and, you know, you can include language to make that very clear. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there are little intricacies like that, but yeah, requiring yeah. people to post on their personal accounts, um, you know, might not always, you know, be the, be the best thing. Well, and the, and the, and the reality is some are obviously more business oriented like LinkedIn versus Facebook or TikTok being personal, but they're all personal. I mean, it's right. your personal Google account that you have to, and you have, I mean, you got to have a Google account to be able to set up a Google AdWords to run ad campaigns. You got to have a Facebook account to set up a Facebook business page, right? Um, you got to have a LinkedIn a personal account to set up a, a, a LinkedIn company page. So it, they, they do yeah. get intertwined. Yeah, and, and another related issue is, you know, that if you do have employees who are posting, you know, if it's, you know, testimonials or endorsements about the company's services, that is potentially covered by the, uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, and the FTC has guidelines uh, regarding individuals who give, you know, endorsements about a company's services or products that they must identify their relationship to the company. Uh, so, you know, an employer who might, you know, so if employees are going to be doing that, um, you know, the company should recommend that if an employee posts about the company's, you know, products or services, uh, that it should, that the employee states, you know, they are a, an employee of the company and that, you know, their views are not necessarily those of, of the company. Uh, so yep. yeah, there, there are, you know, other laws that potentially, you know, come in and, and dictate, you know, what, what happens in that scenario when, when the, uh, employees are using their accounts for, for business related, uh, matters. Got it. So this is a hard one to this topic today, Brian, cause I feel like, I feel like, uh, you gave a ton of really specific examples. And my sense is that anybody who watched today's show still might be unclear of where the boundaries are when they set up a policy. Can, can you try to kind of package this up to, to, to wrap the topic? Here's what, should you or shouldn't you have a, a social media policy? And if you do, here's, the, here's what you shouldn't do. 
the top three, four things. Here's the yeah. top three, four things that you should include in it. Absolutely. So with respect to a social media policy, definitely have one. It should be in the handbook. May very well be good guidance to have a separate standalone policy so that employees are reminded of it. What should go into it? Again, a definition of social media. We want to address that, reiterate that other company policies like EEO policies apply to online conduct. We want to address work usage, right? Whether or not employees are permitted to use social media while at work, to what extent. Uh, you want to include in the social media uh, policy protections for the company's intellectual property and confidential information, right? And these are probably things that are in your handbook already, but you want to uh, include those in the policy, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, this can address, you know, recording of, you know, non-public, you know, uh, you know, proprietary things, right? If you build rockets, you don't want employees taking videos and showing how you make those rockets, right? You know, so things like that. Uh, we want to make sure there are provisions in the policy that distance the company from the employee, uh, meaning that you as the company cannot control all the things your employees will say and do online. Uh, and, you know, therefore, you want to, you know, take, you know, put it as much as you can in that policy that reduces the risk that the company will be associated with, you know, certain bad behavior um, online. So, you know, for instance, you know, that means, you know, written authorization is required to speak on behalf of the company. Um, I think that, you know, again, I just went through, you know, endorsements of company, you know, services, uh, and then again, we discussed earlier, the policy should consider, you know, privacy rights, right? Whether, you know, supervisors should be friending uh, subordinates. Um, and, you know, again, one of the big things, again, is, you know, the Section 7, you know, NLRA rights. So we want to make sure that uh, we're drawing attention in the policy that, uh, and, and again, I, I advise this go in every social media policy, you know, a savings clause, uh, an NLRA savings clause essentially says that, um, you know, nothing in this uh, policy is intended to, uh, you know, limit protected concerted activity. And, you know, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It, it's, you know, in case there's any, uh, you know, you know, lack of clarity, you know, the company is explaining uh, that it's not intended to inhibit those rights. And then I think a last thing would be that uh, for companies that use intra-company social media, right, that uh, vary, there are various platforms and, it, you know, it may or may not really be social media, but it could be messaging that, yeah. you know, companies can restrict that a bit more, what can be used. But again, it shouldn't just you know, be one of those things that uh, goes without saying, you know, take the opportunity to put, you know, address all these concerns in your policy, uh, because without it, you know, employees will do whatever they feel like. Uh, and hey, they still might. But if you have an appropriate policy, you know, then you'll be in a better place if you need to take action against employees for, 
engaging in some type of inappropriate, you know, social media conduct. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a really good recap, Brian. Thank you. Uh, I, th I think as in, as in so many things, HR laws are kind of black and white. Um, but for employers, staying compliant is is less so. Uh, there's no law that requires a job description. There's no, no law that requires a social media uh, policy. Uh, there, there's no law that says you have to have a formal uh, uh, interview process. But all those things are best practices that help you not only find and retain the best talent um, and get the most out of a, a highly productive team, they're also the things that help keep you out of trouble and uh, uh, in, in stay compliant. So I think this is one of those areas that easy to dismiss, easy to overlook and think uh, this, this, we don't have to do anything here. But good compliance starts with proactive communication. Proactive communication in a consistent way looks an awful lot like a policy. So uh, uh, I, I think this is a, what felt like a bit of a nebulous topic uh, for, as we talked for an hour. Um, I, think, I, I think you brought it home. And, and at the end of the day, you really do need policies, but you got to understand what the laws are to know what you're protecting against and for in these policies. Anything else you'd want to add in, in closing here, Brian? No, I think you're exactly right. And, and look, this is a new area, you know, for many employers, right? But, uh, you know, social media, whether, you know, your company, you know, actively has social media or if you're just addressing, you know, employees' social media, I think it's very important because it is something that, you know, as we talked at the beginning, there are risks. And if for no other, you know, workplace risk other than, you know, social media can impact, you know, your, your business's brand and how the public perceives it, no matter you know if you're a small or large company uh, and having a policy in place that's distributed to employees that they understand, that provides examples, because as you said, you know there's a lot of stuff here to unpack. So a lot of times examples can really help employees you know, understand what they should and shouldn't be doing uh, and helps the company you know, avoid you know, potential violations of the law. You know, by narrowly applying its policies, but you know, it, it all can be really helpful in a number of ways to a company to to address these issues in the policy. Yeah, yeah, very good, Brian. I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks to you, and thanks for everybody else for joining us today. Uh, until next week's show, have a great week. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help ninety thousand companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit AssureSoftware.com.